Well, hello. Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. My name is Hunter Croft. I'm on staff here at Axe Church. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we are Axe Church. We're a church located in Camas, Washington, and uh, we we like to think uh, well. We like to think a lot about um, what we believe in um, the world around us. So that's what this podcast is about. Uh, today, I have our pastor, David Robinson, with me, and we are just going to uh, chat it up. We've got some some questions that neither of us have seen before that we're going to talk about, and we're going to uh, just um, yeah contemplate those things. <clears throat> we're going to contemplate them. Uh, so yeah, we have some questions today that were written for us that are in a bowl in front of us. We're outside today enjoying it's an the, orange bowl. It's yes, it's an orange bowl. That's true. I just um, thought that might help the listeners. Yeah, just so you can imagine. Just just close your eyes and imagine. Unless you're driving while you're listening to this, don't close your eyes. Close in that your case. eyes and imagine. Just imagine an orange bowl. That's uh, what we're dealing with. And so, um, yeah, we're going to answer some questions. We don't know what they are. Um, I have a feeling some of them may be a little silly, but uh, hopefully they'll be helpful for us as we work through them. Uh, So we're actually outside. We've got uh, Hunter's dog, Luca, is just sitting right over here. And he's got what looks like a neck pillow that you would wear to (laughs) go on an airplane. But I guess it's so that he doesn't chew his stitches out from... For those regular listeners, you know that Luke has had some problems uh, with fighting. He's got some anger issues we're working through with him, but uh, he's got some stitches in his arm, and so he's, he's going to therapy. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to therapy. He'll be he'll be okay. Uh, but he's got the collar on. He's it seems like he doesn't mind it. It's just a it's a pillow that goes with him everywhere he wants. So. Yeah, it's just a it's just a constant pillow friend that he's got there. This has been an ad for Zen collar. They used to have these things called pillow pets. Yeah. My, my daughter had one of those. It's different. Yeah. It's I think they still thing. sell those things. Do they still sell pillow yeah, pets? Yeah. In fact, I think recently, uh, either my mom or my wife's mom bought some for some reason. Okay. As like, my mom buys lots of little kid things for like VBS type gifts. Okay. Or Not for herself like then. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, okay. you know, maybe it's she, possible maybe your mom sleeps with a pillow pet. Like, yeah. Which is just like, they were like a stuffed animal that was also a pillow, as I recall. Um, Good times. Just one of those things that you spend lots of money on for your kids when they're little and they love them. And then they get, you know, messed up and end up in the trash or the thrift store. So good times with all that. So I think we can go ahead. We got a number of questions, so we can probably just go ahead and get into it today. And no one lost their wisdom teeth this week or anything. So there's nothing too exciting to talk about. So let's, let's hit it up, Hunter. All right. First question from the Orange Bowl. Um, if I had a drum roll, I would play it. But I, <laughs> okay, let's see what we got. Oh, no. Can you explain the Trinity? I can. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's... <laughs> I don't know how long of a podcast we want to have yeah, today. So for the next uh, two hours, we're going to talk about this question. Right. You know, let me, let me give a couple things. Instead of explaining the Trinity... Uh, and, and for those of you, like, if you're you know not familiar with what the Trinity is, what we're basically talking about with the Trinity is, you know, we believe that God is one God in three persons, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so people are like, well, then is it three gods? Or it's not. It's one God. You know, they're sharing. They're sharing the essence of being God. But God is in three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the the best way to sort of understand it, I think is to understand yourself as body, soul, spirit, um, that you are one person, but you are in three parts. You, you have your body, the physical part of your body. You have your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. And you have your spirit, which is that, which is that part of you that is, especially in this fallen world, that, that eternal part of you that is 
uh, that is what connects to for the believer, for the Christ follower, that connects with the Holy Spirit, and and is what you know we've we've talked a lot about in church and in sermons and so on. You know, feeding the Spirit, you know, living to the Spirit and walking to the Spirit and not to the flesh. And so there's sort of these there's sort of these with us we sort of have these warring parts of us. We have this flesh that wants one thing. We have the Spirit that wants um, something different, and then our soul is that place of decision between this body and the spirit. And so the soul is, is hopefully, if we're living, walking with the Lord the way we should be walking, the soul is uh, sowing to the spirit and, and starving the flesh. Um, and so you are, you can understand yourself in three parts in that way, if you understand that concept. And so but it's then, a little easier to understand. Still a little confusing though, because it's not like God's warring with himself either. No, he's not because of course God's perfect, yeah, right? right. Um, you, you have to look at the Trinity as, you know, God, God is doing different things, but you can see body, soul, and spirit. The Holy Spirit is obviously the it's the spirit, the yeah, spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> just making sure we're i gave you the easiest one first. i was like you were about to finish that sentence and right. i was like no i was gonna let uh, you finish that I need to help you. Uh, so the holy spirit <laughs> obviously would represent the spirit in in this analogy uh the flesh would actually be christ and the soul would actually be the father so the father you know christ is constantly saying look it's not my will but the will of my father and of course your soul is a place of will and so mind will and emotions right so the father kind of represents will uh the son the one we can see is the body now the difference between God and us one of the many differences between God and us is of course Christ is perfection you know mm -hmm. um, and so our bodies are not perfect our bodies are part of this fallen world um, and so our bodies are quite fallen when we're resurrected they won't be fallen um, when we're completely transformed and made new on that you know on that day we won't have these fallen bodies and it'll be even easier to understand but that's sort of the analogy that you can use what what maps to what the, the holy spirit maps to spirit the father maps to soul and the and the son maps to body um in that sense all in us we are different parts of us um all have different different roles that that they're playing and so it's different with god because each each person of the Trinity is a person as where your body and your spirit and your soul are not persons. And so it's, it's harder to understand in that sense, or it's not, I don't say it's harder to understand. It's different in that sense, but you can understand how um, you could be one and yet three. Now, having said that, this is a, this is a subject that's so complicated that, you know, while I would love to go very, very deep on the Trinity, um, I would like to get to some of the other questions today. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with that to sort of more, rather than explain it all to you, let you ponder through that, thinking about yourself and thinking about how you understand yourself and then see if you can sort of um, work that through to understand the Trinity a little bit better. But I'm going to leave that one there unless you have something to add, Hunter. No, I just think it's... It's, I think it's one of those things that's kind of beyond our imagination to an extent. You know, you can, you can get close with your imagination, but um, I just think until you, until you see it in, in its revealed glory, uh, you're, it's, you're always going to fall short. Because, you know, everything you're doing is, is metaphors, and metaphors always have a breaking point. Um, right. If you want to watch a funny video about uh, bad, bad metaphors of, of the Trinity, uh, go look up uh, St. Patrick's. Bad metaphors or something like that. There's a funny YouTube video just of 
St. Patrick. You can link to that in the show notes and they can watch that yeah, yeah. funny video. That. Um, yeah, I mean, people use all kinds. Of, it's like an egg. There's a yolk in the white and the shell. Oh, not really. Yeah. Um, it's like a it's like a clover with three leaves on it. Well, no, not really. Um, you know, any <laughs> of those kinds of metaphors. I think the body, soul, spirit metaphor is one that maps much closer because we were made in the image and likeness right, of right, God. Right. And so we were made three as he is three. Right, right. Um, in the same kind of way. And so I think it's I think it's the closest that you're gonna get to, to connecting to to God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, of those three, you know, growing up for me, Father and Son were much easier for me to connect to um, mm -hmm. than the Holy Spirit was. Right. Uh, just the tradition that I grew up in, you know, we didn't talk as much that I remember about the Holy Spirit and about Same. the work of the Holy Spirit. And and so that's been something as I've gotten older, understanding the work of the Holy Spirit, understanding the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, understanding that, you know, that's the that's the Holy Spirit is the one, is the person. And it's a person, not an it. Uh, it's <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person. And, and connecting with the person of the Holy Spirit my spirit connecting with the person of the Holy Spirit and that being the thing that empowers me and, and, and gives me strength to, to move forward and do the things that God's called me to do, understanding that is, is transformational. Um, it's life-changing. And so, you know, hopefully, I think the church is better in general about uh, dealing with the, the work of the Holy Spirit now than it probably once was. Certain traditions have always been better about explaining um, the Holy Spirit and his work uh, than other traditions, but that's... Uh, that for me, at least, when I was thinking Trinity growing up, it was always easy to imagine Father and imagine Son, and it was harder for me to connect to the Holy Spirit. So that may be true for you or not, and we can probably do a podcast all about the Holy Spirit, and we can probably do a podcast all about the Trinity and how to understand the Trinity. Right. But we do want to get to some of the other questions today, so we'll leave that one at that. Once you grab another, another question out of the orange bowl. All right, here we go. Number Wait, two. I don't want to get a different one. From the Great Orange Bowl. It's actually not that great. It's pretty small. Pretty average. Not even, it's like, it's plastic. It's not like. If I was looking anything. to eat cereal, for instance, I would look for a bigger bowl than that. Right, yeah. Because cereal is delicious. Maybe ice cream. Yeah, maybe ice cream. I mean, depends on the day. It's got some depth to it, just not very much width. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's the most difficult part of ministry? Oh, wow. There's a little more. No more personal. Well, let's let's let you answer that first because you're newer to um, ministry as as vocation, uh, right? You know, and so I'd like to hear you know what what you've been not quite a year, or maybe right around a year. Yeah. Okay. So, I think yeah. Well, this is Father's Day coming up, and I think Father's Day was the weekend. So I interviewed last weekend of last year. So like today is the day last year, like Tuesday after this last Sunday was the day that you told me I got the position. Okay. So I guess this is my, I guess today might be my year anniversary. I don't know. All right. Well, so tell we'll me, <laughs> tell me what, what a year has, has been like, what's been the hardest part of ministry in the last year? Um, let's see. Part of it has just been knowing what to do. You know, there's not, I think there are a lot of jobs in the world where it's very evident what you should be doing. Um, but ministry is one of those types of jobs where, um, you, you've got to decide what the best use of your time is, what, um, God wants you to be doing with, with this, uh, position, um, what's a priority, what's not a priority. Um, that's been one thing that I've been trying to figure out. Of course, I've been in, in school for the last 20 years. Um, and so it's just been do your work because here's your very specific, 
um, instructions on what should be done. You have deadlines. You have you have you have very predetermined deadlines. You can I could have seen months ahead of time. Okay, I'm gonna have to have this particular paper written on this date, and um, so it's just not like that anymore. Um, that might be more in general a, a job um, type of um, thing. Another hard thing about ministry, I would say, um, is especially since I'm kind of introverted, it's very re- relational, mm-hmm. um, and and not and it's not always just happy relational. You know, there's a lot of right. um, people going through hard things, um, people doing things that that you've got to correct sometimes. Um, luckily, I haven't had too much of that. Uh, this church has been a bl- blessing for me, um, and. And you know you've got to know am I am I overstepping by trying to correct this person? Um, how do I? How's what's the best way that I can minister this person? Should I just comfort them, or do I need to push them beyond their their comfort zone in this situation? Um, and they do they need to just to um, yeah step into something more uncomfortable that's going to be ultimately what God would want for their lives that's going to bring healing to them or or um, growth for them. So. Yeah, that's that's been another thing is that I'm just uh, as I've as I've become more um, aware of my skills, I'm I'm painfully um, I'm I'm not a people person and painfully so sometimes because I uh, I'm just I just don't pick up on some of the things that people need um, sometimes, and I get made fun of it for a lot by my friends. But you know, um, I also think that in a way that makes it so I I don't I I. I don't judge people very often because I'm so unaware of those things that they would normally get judged for. Um, so that might be something that is, is the other side of that coin, but hmm. yeah, that's, that's what I'd say so far okay. for, for ministry. How about you? Uh, well, and of course what I do is, is different, um, than, than what you do and which is part of the way the body of Christ works. Man, there's a lot of things about ministry that are amazing and there's a lot of things that are difficult you know, the question was, what's the most difficult thing? Um, you know, that's a tough one to answer. There's, there is a lot of finding that balance between, um, you know, ministry and what you feel like um, you need to be giving to the church and what you feel like you need to be giving to the people and at the same time making sure that you're properly caring for your family. Um, that's, you know, I've got two children, yeah. two teenage children and my wife and, you know, they're, they're my, they're a, um, higher calling than they're, they're more primary calling than my vocational ministry is. Of course, you know, it's God, it's family. It's then, then we're looking at the vocational ministry. Um, and so keeping those things prioritized correctly has been difficult. Um, spiritual warfare has been difficult, uh, dealing with, you know, when you see that, that you're being um, fought against, you know, you see that the work that you're trying to do uh, is, is not always um, something that is as easy as it should be or as, as moving as smoothly as it should because there's uh, tension that's caused by spiritual warfare. So that's been, there's some difficulty in that. Um, you know, there's, there, man, there's a lot of things that are, they're difficult. You never want to, like you said, in dealing with trying to love and serve people well and knowing when it would always be easier to just let people do whatever they want. 
mm-hmm. let people think whatever they want, let people, um, you know, act however they want and just ignore it and deal with the dysfunction that comes. It's much harder to um, correct people in love and say, no, listen, I would rather just not bother you about this, but the Lord, you know, has called me to step in here and provide some accountability and provide some, um, you know, some counsel, whatever it happens to be. And walking into those situations sometimes is difficult and not, you know, regardless of, I don't think there are many healthy people who like confrontation, who like, they want to, to have confrontation in their life. It's certainly not something that I'm interested in, but I do, but I, but I can do it and I do have to do it sometimes as part of the calling that I have. And, and so those are not ever fun situations. Um, uh, and so I'd say, you know, there's a, there's a lot about it. There's, there's, there's the balance is, is always hard. Um, you know, loving people well, having to call people into account is not fun. It's, it's never fun. Um, so those, those are probably some of the hardest things about ministry, uh, for me. Uh, and, and of course I'll be honest with you, it's going to depend week to week because, you know, what's hard this week may not be what's hard next week. You know, some things will go really well and they won't go as well. You know, wanting, wanting to get people, wanting to have people see the joy and the, and the, you know, just the amazing awesomeness of God that, that is something that you will experience through really, really pressing in and getting very, very serious about uh, ministry over a long period of time and getting people to like understand that so that they can have that because you want that for them when the pattern that they've had in their life or the or the way that they've thought about church has been much more hands-off uh i sort of show up when i show up i sort of do what i do yeah i don't want to get too involved in that i don't want to get too involved in that um because they you know in their mind they're keeping a balance or in their mind it's not necessary or it's not going to bring value to their life and and for me to be like no no no, you got to walk through this you got to press into this because it's it's through that and through not just that today or tomorrow, but through that over weeks, over months, over years, that you're going to see the kind of growth that's just going to literally, the Holy Spirit's going to transform your life through it and trying to get that to people. And when you see them doing it, there's just such joy in that. And when you see people who won't press in or, or who have a really hard time pressing in, that's hard. That's hard on on me, you know, as, as people, as pastor, as someone who loves them, who's trying to who's trying to do the work that Christ has called me to do in their lives when I, when I see people struggle, when I see people go through that. And then the, the last thing I would say is watching people um, go through really difficult times. Yeah. You know, um, seeing people who are truly struggling with just the things that this fallen world brings, whether that's sickness, um, you know, financial problems, losing a job, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. you know, seeing people that you love, that you care for, that, you, that you're, you're called to serve and care for going through things that you can't save them from, you know, um, they're going to have to walk through that and having to, and having, but watching them suffer, you're going to suffer with them. You're going to yeah. mourn for those who mourn. And, and so that's hard. That's a hard part of ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's, without going back to the orange, what, what is the, what would you say is the best part of ministry? The thing you like the most about ministry? Um, I love creating things. I am, I'm, I'm a creative person. Um, and so when ministry involves getting a bunch of people together and creating something, which fortunately as the, the worship and media lead at, at church happens a lot. Um, that's my favorite part of ministry is when, um, 
when boundaries get broken down for the sake of of creating something. I've been doing a lot of thinking lately on on us being made in the image of God, God being the creator. Um, and if we're made in that image, then there must be some sort of creative um, nature to us as well. And, and that's something that I've been um, feeding into and uh, exploring more. And so, yeah, lately, um, especially creative opportunities are what I love about, about ministry, um, doing things like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'm deciding whether I'm going to answer this question. I, I think that for me, of course, I mean, I feel called to, to preach, and so I love preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always easy, and there are times when I when I really am having to, well, hopefully all the time, I'm really having to rely on the Holy Spirit to to preach the Word of God. Um, so I, I love doing that. I also just love just being with people who get it and are... When I say get it, I just mean they get the mission of the church and what and what God's called them to in Acts Church, and being together in, in those supportive um, uh, situations, whether that's at a life group, whether that's at an elders meeting, whether that's at a deacons meeting, whether that's w- whatever that is, a staff meeting where people are getting it and we're supporting each other and we're moving in the same direction um, and doing the will of God. That's always exciting. That's always fun. And so whether that whether that's actually talking about the quote unquote work of the church or whether that's just hanging out and being together with people um, who are in this thing together, who are in that shield wall with us together, just locked, locked arm in arm and sort of fighting that battle together. I just, I love, I love the community mm-hmm. of being with people. And so I would say that, you know, and, and I, and I, it, I love um, seeing, you know, the Lord sort of giving a vision for what the church is doing and then, me being able to connect with the people in the church and sort of get that vision, you know, um, mapped out mm-hmm. and and put into a form that makes sense for us, and then seeing people at every aspect of of executing that vision from from you know those who are sort of directing things to those who are doing to the little things to the big things to from from putting a chair up in the room where we're going to do something uh to you making uh you know a graphic for something to you know another person in the church doing this or watching the kids during all the things that it takes to make something happen that we're doing to to try to push forward the mission of 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 making disciples for jesus christ it's it's exciting so i like being part of that yeah Cool. Let's set the orange bowl up for another one. All right. Here we go, orangey. <laughs> Not looking. All right. New question. Uh-oh. He's laughing. What's up with circumcision? Why is that a thing? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's talk about circumcision. Why not? Um, you know. That's what a, better do we have to talk about? This is about? a family show, after all. Uh, you know, circumcision uh, is is interesting. Uh, let's let's do the quick. You know, this was something that that God gave as a thing to separate um, His people. Right. This is this is a you know this is an Old Testament uh, thing. It is it is uh, you know for those of you who know what circumcision is, you know what it is. For those of you who don't, ask somebody because I'm not going to tell you on the <laughs> podcast. Um, but it, you know, it had it. to do with removing a certain part of, of your skin. Um, and, you know, circumcision was something that set the people of God apart. You know, God shows these people, you know, this was, this was, we talked about this on Sunday. If you haven't, that sermon is, is on this channel. You can go back and take a look at it. Um, but we talked on Sunday about 
the kingdom of God and what God was doing through Israel was was uh, you know foreshadowing or showing us something about what His kingdom was going to be, and part of it was separating to Himself people, and so it was for that purpose. Later on, um, in in the first century, as when Christ came and and fulfilled the law, and and Gentiles were coming to the Lord. And there were Judaizers who were saying, look, you can't come to the Lord without um, circumcision, without becoming circumcised. And, you know, Paul, uh, the Holy Spirit through Paul basically made the point of, listen, um, it was never circumcision that made you holy. It was never circumcision that was a thing that you can never be made right in that way because you can never keep the law in its, in its wholeness. And so Christ coming, we came, we come and we're saved the, the, the curse is pushed back through redemption, through forgiveness of sins in Christ, and is and is not about the ceremonial things that were once done. And so the the Jews circumcised the circumcised Jews were saved by faith in Christ the same way Gentiles were saved in Christ. None of it had anything to do with circumcision. And mm-hmm. so generally speaking, you do not find uh, believers today uh, demanding circumcision uh, for their children on the eighth day, that type of thing. Um, you know, get circumcised, don't get circumcised. I don't care. And you don't need to tell me about it. Um, but please don't, please yeah, don't. please don't tell me about it. There's probably a better way to put that. Um, but circumcision was something for a time for a people, um, when God was directly ruling his people, um, it was, it was put to set those people aside and then it was turned into something as if it was by itself, something that made you righteous, which it does not. Um, and so that's, what's up with circumcision, um, or as much as what's up with circumcision that I'm going to talk about. So uh, let's, uh, let's try another one out. We're going through these faster than I thought we would, but I mean, I'm only going to spend so much time on circumcision. Yeah, so, let's, you know. let's not go any further. Yeah, we'll, we'll, stick, we'll stick with that answer. Uh, let's make a joke. All right. <laughs> Don't. How do I use social media to proclaim God's love and truth? That's a better. Yeah, that is a good one. I'm gonna let you. <laughs> no offense to the I'm last gonna let you start on this one since you're younger and have been more of a social media person than me. Uh, lots of politics and lots of opinions are the best way to. <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, I think that that's you know it's a new way to to interact with people that I think people are having a hard time figuring out. Um, I included. Um, social media, it, I think it's like if you could just be writing a ton of letters to people um, all the time, but people are always writing letters back. To, yeah, I think we get the idea of what social media is and why it is um, so much more difficult of a communicate, why it's causing so many problems for people now. Um, and I think it's because it's it's too easy to um, make your conversations with people uh, to, to remove yourself from them while still speaking into them um, and not thinking about the consequences of what you're saying, um, not thinking about all the different ways that people are going to take this. I mean, you're, th- you're just throwing out a, a two-line comment for the whole world to interpret, um, and you had one meaning, meaning and um, language can be, can be received in many different ways. Um, and it's just never going, it never seems to be going well. Um, so how, well, let me reread that question now that I've broken down the problem of social media. Uh, how do I use social media to proclaim God's love and truth? 
Um, well, I mean, first of all, you know, scriptures, if, if scripture is, is visible and, um, and used in your social media, then that's obviously one way that, um, you know, people, people can misinterpret what you're saying at that point, but it's, you know, it's something that, that is, is more of their problem than, than yours because you're, um, now you can misconstrue scripture, I think pretty easily if you were to do that. So, yeah. um, so you're still not off the hook just by posting scripture because, you can get some messed up, messed up stuff out of just posting scripture too. If you well, if you and try. you have to think about what's implied, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're still communicating, um, just using scripture to do that. Um, so yeah, I think just lots of thoughtfulness, um, being more concerned about others than yourself. And that's that's one problem in social media is that social media um, is about yourself most often. Most often, social media is about. Um, saying something to make you feel better, whether it's defensive or whether it's, um, humorous, you're trying to get, you're either trying to get a reaction to make you feel better, or you're trying to get something off your chest to make you feel better. Um, and so I would think when you're, when you're posting something, when you're commenting something, I would say, what is your motivation for that? Is, are you trying to make yourself look better, feel better, um, get some sort of attention or are you um, doing this for the benefit of those other people on the social media platform as you um, so that you can be closer to people so that people can um, get to know you better um, in a healthy way um, which usually would mean not all entirely on social media um, I also think it's a balance if if you are getting all of your interaction from social media, then you're, you're not getting true interaction. You know, um, it's kind of like having a diet. If, if all of your diet is, um, ice cream, you know, you're not really getting a healthy diet. Um, whoa, 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 what? What? Yeah. See, okay. We're gonna have to, let's break this down for Dr. For Pastor Dave. <laughs> now, hang on a second. Hang on. You're saying that if all I eat is ice cream, that's not good because it tastes delicious. You, see, and that's, that's the allure of social media. Okay. Thank you for illustrating that. I may be able so to well. fix some of these weight problems. I guess I just don't can eat ice cream for every meal. What are you going to get for lunch now? Yeah. Well, I know. And I have, now my gallon of ice cream I brought for lunch, I can't have. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, it's, it's I think it's you the same way. You just want my gallon of ice cream that I brought for lunch. So you're just trying to get me off of it. I don't figure this out too quickly. You got the ice cream bowl you already said. <laughs> the orange bowl. You yeah. can see where I'm, where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, Anyway, social media is is kind of like it's kind of like the sugar of of um, social experiences. Um, it's nice. It's it's um, it. I think it, it's kind of addictive, but it's not um, substantive. It's not going to help you uh, grow. It's not going to um, be a well-rounded thing. It needs to be put in its place. And so, if you're getting, I would say, if you're getting more than twenty-five percent of your um, social interaction of your um, daily connection with people from social media, uh, don't do that. You know, um, it's, it's a cool tool to be able to be connected with so many people. It's cool to be able to, um, keep up with friends far away from you, but don't make it, um, the thing that you, that you live for. Um, in, in it, in ministry, social media is a great tool for ministry because we can connect with so many people and we can, I mean, this is going out on social media, um, after I, put it on SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Um, you went all Canadian on me. There. <laughs> SoundCloud. SoundCloud. What uh, is this all about? I lived close to Canada, no offense, but never Canadians. been there. <laughs> I, I love the way Canadians talk, so no offense to them. Um, 
And so social media can be a great thing. And so I think that's, you know, some people go, oh, I'm going to get rid of all social media. Um, Some people go, oh, I'm going to throw my whole self into social media and get my whole idea of worth and my worth of everybody else from social media. Both those things are wrong. You got to put it in its place um, and, and take the good and leave the bad. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to answer this one from my perspective and, but I'm going to preface it. I'm going to give you a little, my little lawyers, uh, uh, you know, preface here. I'm not that savvy on the social media side. Um, I have a Facebook page, but I didn't get a Facebook page until I came here um, to the church. And so, and I did that to kind of be able to connect with the people in the church. And so on prior to that, I was pretty against Facebook in general. Um, I did, when I wrote a book um, several years ago, I had uh, I think a Facebook and a Twitter and so on that were for the book that I used to promote that that content, that book. Um, and so I, I did some of that. I, I have an Instagram. Um, I think it's at Pastor D Rob or something. Shout out at Pastor D Rob. This is the personal plug for my Instagram, which I almost never post on. Although I did post a picture of my dog yesterday. Oh, I saw so that. he was stretching, and I put a picture of him stretching. Was so that one of my was, dogs? Was that him when he was younger? No, that was yesterday. Oh, he looked kind of small. Snapped that one yesterday. Um, so yes, so I have Instagram. I have Facebook. I actually have a Twitter. I don't check that very often. I don't check Instagram that often. I check Facebook regularly. Um, and so I would say that I'm not as savvy as say Hunter is, or a lot of people are, but, but let me say this, it's not, you know, what goes into a man or a woman that is what makes them unclean. It's what comes out. And, you know, social media is going to say something about who you are and what you're, what you're putting out on social media is going to say something about where your heart is. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And so I would, if I was to think through, okay, a, how do I use this to promote the gospel? And so on, I would say, well, you promote the gospel um, in a number of different ways. One of which is showing the world what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so if you're, you know, one of the things you brought up, Hunter, is kind of the self, the self-pointed side. If social media is about making you feel better, if you look through your posts and, and you start reading them and they're primarily about you, and they're primarily um, explaining to people, you know, whatever it is about you and looking for, um, oh, I don't know, approval or getting people to like the stuff that you do that's about you. Um, I would, I would want to think through that. And, and let me say this. There's nothing wrong with having, uh, you know, posts that are about you. I think what the question is, is what I'm about to post um, helpful, interesting? Um, to other people? Is it something that other people are going to, it's going to benefit them in some way? So it's, it can't, it's not that it can't be about you. You know, if you, if you're doing something interesting and you think, Hey, people would be really be interested to know that I'm doing this interesting thing. They'd like be happy for me or they'd be, or they're interested in it too, or they might want to comment about that, that type of thing. Uh, I think that that's totally, totally reasonable. Um, uh, to to put on social media. I also think you can use it to share content that is um, 
uplifting. You know, we put our sermons on there. We put the podcast on there. We have videos that will go on our social media stuff from time to time. Sharing that kind of stuff is good. Sharing a Bible verse that is uplifting, that is helpful, as long as you're doing that in the right context and so on, I think that can be uh, a, a very helpful thing to do on social media. But it's one of these things where what is coming out of you? <laughs> you know, what is coming out of you on social media? Is are you are you thinking about uh, Christ? Are you having the mind of Christ when you're on social media? Is this what he would call you to do? Whatever it is. And that's and don't, don't over-spiritualize that, which is to say, um, I'm not saying that everything you, you put on there has to be about Jesus or everything you put on there has to be. I'm just saying, is it, is it thinking about others first? Am I, am I posting something thinking about those who are going to see this and it being something helpful to them? You know, we have Philippians 4, 8, and I'm going to read it. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And then he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That's the ninth verse in the chapter. You know, if it's good and it's truthful and it's noble, um, you know, whether it's sharing a song um, that you heard that spoke to you, uh, whether it's just sharing, hey, me and my family are at the beach today just enjoying, uh, you know, life in Christ, you know, just being at the beach as a family, uh, whether it's, whether it's, hey, you know, we, here's the latest uh Podcast from Max Church, which hey, hey, share that. No, no shame in that. Uh, or here's the latest sermon that I listened to. Or here's a uh, blog from um, somebody that has that has really uh, um, helped me, or, or been been helpful to me. Or here's you know whatever. Right? There's all kinds of stuff that you can do. Um, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis that was uplifting to me today, or from whoever. Right? Um, if if the idea is I'm putting this on here hoping that it it brightens someone else's day, you're probably using social media properly. If you're putting something on there saying, I'm putting this on there, hoping that the response to this will brighten my day. And if that's the primary person, your primary reason you're putting on there, then there's probably a self-absorption that's unhealthy about the way you're using social media. Um, and so if you want to honor Christ, you want to bring the truth of the gospel through social media, you know, live like, show that what's coming out of you is, is, coming out of a transforming, uh, being someone who's being transformed, a transformed Christ follower. If that's happening, then I think you're using social media to promote truth and the gospel. I mean, I think you are. And if that's not, if you go look through your stuff and go like, eh, you know what? It's actually just a lot of complaining. <laughs> you, know, where, you know, there's a lot of posts like, oh, I went to the store today, this thing happened. Can you believe blah, 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 blah. Well, was it, was it true, noble, uh, praiseworthy, uh, just? Was it all those things? Or was it me using this this forum to basically complain about something that happened in life? And if I'm looking at somebody and, and, and you know, you got to realize that as a Christ follower, you have an audience. People are wondering, okay, what does this mean? This person's saying they're a believer, they're going to church, they're doing these things. What does this mean in their life? And you want to be able to show on social media and in every other aspect of your life, what it looks like to be being continually transformed, to be to to having your mind transformed, right? To know the will of God, to to being a living sacrifice, all those things. That's what you want to see in social media. Now it doesn't mean that everything has to be happy. You can go on social media and say, I am, my heart is broken over this thing that's happened in the world. 
Um, and I pray for these people. Uh, you know, my heart is broken over this thing that's going on. Um, I am, as a Christ follower, I am um, upset that this thing's going on in society or in culture right now because of the people that it's harming. You know, my, my advice would be that more explanation is better than less if you're going to make those kinds of posts. Explain how it connects to who you are in Christ. Explain how it connects to your worldview. People are much less likely to be uh, offended by something that you didn't mean and start some sort of comment war and all that kind of stuff if you if you handle social media in that way. And so, yeah, I think it can be a tool. I absolutely do. It's, it's an opportunity to provide content. And I would just look at, hey, what does my content look like? Is it about me or is it about what I'm doing for other people? How about another one? Let's see. We got one. some left. That's for sure. Dun, dun, dun. We should add music for while you're opening these up. Dun, 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 dun. All right. <clears throat> Man, these could all be their own podcast, but what is the importance of corporate worship? Wow. Well, you're the worship lead, so I guess you better start with this one, huh? There is none. <laughs> well, you're fired then. <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah, so, you know, this is something that I'm, I'm developed. This is an idea. This is a, a question that I'm developing my answer on. Um, maybe not day by day, but month by month. Um, right now, my answer would be this. Um, worship is, ob- I, if, if you don't know um, the importance of worship in general, um, well, I'll, I'll really quickly just say God created us for worship. God is the object of our worship. Um, we are the, the ones who were created to worship him. And we do that, like I said earlier, I'm kind of on a on a we are creative beings kick, um, and and so our our creation, what we create, is an homage to the. Did I say that word right? Homage. Yeah. Um. To to the creator who created us, the original creator. We're we're not necessarily creating things like he creates. We are reforming um, his creation. Um, into reflections of of us, into reflections of of Him, um, and that's a form of worship. Whether it's singing, whether it's you know, whether it's in a factory just making um, parts for for a machine, um, whether whatever it is, we are um, being creators in the image of God, and so um, that's what worship is. Worship is um, loving God and. Um, in return, he loves us. Um, so, uh, corporate worship now, not individual worship, corporate worship, um, which typically happens on a Sunday morning, um, traditionally. Um, and at Axe Church, that's when it usually happens, you know, I would consider. But it can happen yeah. with, with your family in yes. the car. It could happen anytime you're talking about two or more being gathered. Right, right. right. That's what I would consider. As opposed to like worship. a corporation. What What's the importance of corporations worship? That's and that's why I don't like the term. I know you don't like it. I know you, you hate I'm a the millennial word. and you don't hate it, but you don't like corporations are evil. Yeah. So right, all corporations are <laughs> Speaking bad. Speaking right? of, of yeah. short statements that right. can be taken wrong, like the nonprofit corporation that you work for. You're right. Right. Um, but yeah, the uh, corporate worship. Wait, let's just let's just say worship in a group. Right. Right. And that um, way, your millennial worship. sensibilities aren't harmed <laughs> by that. So, so we're talking group worship. Um, that is a time where where you're it's the same thing happening, but then you have all these other believers around you who you are encouraged by and you are encouraging, and um, you know it's, it's like a family reunion in a way. 
um, hopefully a little more often than family reunions happen, but um, it's it's a time for you all together to say, we agree, we, we're going, and that's both um, pleasing to God to see his, um, his creation singing in harmony, literally and figuratively, um, uh, figuratively, <laughs> most of the time, figuratively, <laughs> uh, depend, depends on, on the singers. You're right. Right. Um, it, singing in harmony, um, being united, that's pleasing to God. And it's also encouraging to other Christians, uh, to see their brothers and sisters worshiping. Um, so it's, it's a mutually beneficial time of, of being in God's presence and, um, him loving us while we love him. And, in a way us loving each other as well through our, our singing and through what, what, I mean, worship could be, um, we're having a, a work day at the, the church, uh, office plug for you men. Um, if you're listening to this yeah. before Saturday, Saturday, June 16th, 16th, 2018. Um, I don't know when you're listening yeah. to this. So this could be, if you're listening to this in 2025, you know, have a good day. Um, or come work at the church. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. I don't know if we'll, I kind of hope we won't be here. <laughs> you never know. You never know though. Um, you know, whether you're, you're singing or whether you are cleaning the yard, um, those are all acts of, those all can be acts of worship. Singing can be not an act of worship. Cleaning the yard can not be an act of worship. Um, it has more to do with, with your focus and your um, attention. With your heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your heart. Um, because God is not looking for, worshipers who worship in this particular place, but he's looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. So if you're right. doing that, um, pretty much anything you're doing could be an act of worship. Absolutely. You got, uh, you got more for me? Yeah. I, you know, worshiping corporate worship, which I don't have a problem with the word corporate worship, but worshiping as a group um, is you know, I almost like kind of go back to this Trinity thing. Like you're doing some, if you're truly worshiping God in spirit and in truth, there's something very individual between you and God going on. But then there's also at the same time, something that's going on with you and all these other persons in the room, right? So it's like, you're all part of this one thing that's happening. You know, you're in one accord, which, you know, the book of Acts we hear, and they were all in one accord. And, and the idea of this, uh, of one accord is kind of like, hey, we're, there's a, there's a harmony. We're all, we're all moving together in the same direction, making almost like music is almost the way you have to look at it. Like we're, we're harmoniously, you know, moving together, this body of Christ imagery and so on. Here I am and I'm standing next to Hunter. I'm standing next to, you know, Sherry Ware. I'm standing next to, uh, you know, whoever in the church. And we're both singing and we're both connecting with the Lord. But we're also connecting with each other as we as we're listening to um, the sound that is being created by this corporate body, this group, this the body of Christ. And you know, there's something very heavenly about that. You know, hey, here we all are giving glory to where glory is due, and and allowing this our spirit to to lead us into this place and before God. Um, it's it's spiritual, and and yet the body. Is, and the soul are very connected to it too, because even the way, even just raising your hands, closing your eyes, things you're doing with your physical body that are putting yourself in a posture of worship to God, right? And, and of course, you're willing, um, you're 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 willing to the Spirit. You're saying, "Look, I want to connect with. I want to worship. I want to I want to praise. I want to I want to tell you, God, how much you mean to me. How much I understand about what you're doing, what your kingdom is, and and that you're that you're pushing back the curse. And some of those moments in worship can be some of the most joyful and the most uh, 
um, take you the furthest away from the curse uh, sometimes in those moments of worship and, and in corporate worship with, with other people. Um, it can be an amazing experience. And for those who have a hard time pressing into that or understanding it or getting it, you know, earlier we were talking about things that before the podcast, we were talking about things that take a, an acquired taste. You know, that might be coffee or certain caviar, certain kinds of foods that that you have to you have to eat a certain amount of caviar. You have to drink a certain amount of coffee for most people before you are able to truly appreciate. It. And then once you once you appreciate it, this whole world is opened up to you. Um, it might taste bitter to you at first, but once you start to get it, then you're like, oh yeah it's this kind of bitter and and here look at this is sumatran whatever and this is honduras it tastes terrible in this special right. way yeah, it tastes terrible <laughs> well like there's a, the the coffee that we get in honduras has its own thing and it, and, and it's it's deli- i mean i love good coffee and so and a lot of people in the northwest here really really like coffee and the you know in tennessee when i was there it wasn't they like tea you know, they like sweet tea particularly, um, but they like, you know, coffee is something you get at the gas station. It's not as much of, you know, the the thing that the, people aren't as much connoisseurs of it as they are here. Right. But there's this acquired taste. Worship is like that. You, it may be something that's very foreign to you when you first start or seems strange or makes, or makes you feel uncomfortable because you're, I mean, how often do you sing in front of other people, right? It's not something that, we don't go to the grocery store and I'll break out in song. It's just not something that we normally do when we're in a group of people. Right. Um, but you know what? I've been to Disney World and sat there and they do this, they have this Frozen sing-along. If you've ever seen the movie Frozen, and if you have children, you've definitely seen the movie Frozen probably a number of times. And they'll, and there's a group of people, you know, old, young, whatever, and they start going through the story of Frozen they, and they sing the songs and people are singing along, right? And they don't have any problem singing, I'm let it go. You know what? I don't want to end up having to pay somebody for, so I won't sing the rest of that song. And <laughs> also you don't want to hear me sing the rest of that song. But they, you know, but they're all singing like, and yeah. they don't mind doing it and they're having fun singing together. And so why is it such a strange thing in a church uh, that you would sing to the creator of the universe, to, to our God, to our King, to the Lord? And so I, I encourage people, press into worship in song. You're also worshiping, well, as we're studying the word, you're also worshiping, like you said, at work. You're making that widget in, in the factory. You're you're cleaning that house. You're doing whatever you're doing for your job. You can do that unto the Lord and worship him and make it an act of worship. And you ought to. Those are more individual. Um, but group worship is something amazing and, and special and incredible. And I love when the church is you know, when we're worshiping and, and people have gotten into it and they're just and they're just praising the Lord and you can see it on their faces and everyone's well just to look around and say, Oh man, look at these people just loving the Lord and what a blessing it is. And so um, that's what's great about corporate or group worship, depending on how much the word corporate bothers you. Um, and so and so yeah, I love it and I, and I and I want people to to press into it. And it may be an acquired taste for some of you, but man, when you get that taste you're gonna you're never gonna turn back mm-hmm. uh, once you get there so what right. else have we got we got another one sure all right i gotta say this is kind of like a it's almost addicting like I'm, i've been excited to to get to the next up. question yeah. you're like yeah. shaking it up now in the bowl and hoping to pull something good pull out a jewel for us what's our next question here we go oh this this is not a a, a, a joyful jewel uh-oh this is, why does God allow disease and terminal illnesses? It's a good question. Not a happy one. No, it's not a happy one. But there's a couple of things to really, to really think about in, in this. You, you need to understand who you are. And what I mean by that is, you know, and, and, if, and again, 
last Sunday's message, we talked about this a little bit about the kingdom of God and what that means and so on, but you got to understand who you are and you got to understand that this, that this world that we're now living in this broken, cursed world is not, we're not long for this world, no matter how young or old you are. You may be, you may be 20 right now and think I'm never going to die. Um, let me just tell you, uh, so spoiler alert, you are going to die. At some point, your body is, you have a terminal illness. It's called the curse. Everyone has a terminal illness. We're all going to die. We're all progressively um, dying in this cursed world, right? Now, if the Lord comes back prior to your physical death, then then you won't, okay? And that's uh, an issue of eschatology, which is just end times theology, which we're not going to get deep into that. But unless that happens, you're going to die. Your body is going to deteriorate and die because you live in a world that's deteriorating and dying that has problems. And, and the whole earth is groaning for God to come and, 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 and establish his kingdom fully, right? Right now, the only place where that kingdom is going on is inside the church. And that doesn't mean that our bodies don't decay because they do. Um, it's our spirits that have made a lot, been made alive and been made new. Um, and yes, God will heal sometimes. He'll heal a disease, but even when he heals it, even when Lazarus was raised from the dead, it was to live a certain number of more years and then to die. You know, he was, he was still going to die physically. He still did die physically. Lazarus is not still walking around. Um, and so I named Lazarus once. Did maybe you really? No, I named Lazarus? Maybe, maybe it was the same one. I, I, it could be. I, I don't think so. Unless he was really, really old. Um, you know, it, it, the the curse was pushed back as a, as as Christ was showing what the kingdom was going to be like. But listen, you know, we. It's sad. It is. It is torturous, horrible to watch people go through the ravages of the curse. You know, whether that's a terminal illness, whether that's somebody getting hurt, whether that's uh, a young person passing away. Uh, you know, this week. Um, a young man that I know uh, passed away, and he was young, and that's that's part of the curse, and it's and it's sad, and it's and it's heartbreaking. But I also know that we have an eternal mindset. We're looking to the kingdom, not that we shouldn't care about what's going on here and now. We absolutely should because we're already there at some level. In other words, we're already living in the kingdom at some level. But your body is going to die. Why does God allow it? Is the, is the question that they're asking. And, and the reason that God allows it is because we chose it. <laughs> you know, we've, we've chosen to break the world in the way that we have. We've chosen to sin. We've chosen to do these things. And God has given us a will. And our will, we've turned to evil. We've suppressed the truth and righteousness. We've done things we ought not to do. And because of that, the world is broken. I'm not saying you get a terminal illness because you did something wrong. Um, you know, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? And the sun shines on the just and the unjust. All good things come from the Lord. The things that are bad are part of this broken world. That's where, that's where the kind of bacteria and viruses and cancers and all these things come from. The fact that the world is broken and it's destroying itself and it destroys us. Um, and that's, that's a result of sin. Um, I'm not, I'm not connecting just so that you are very clear here. I'm not connecting your personal sin to your personal physical illnesses. I, that's not, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the sin of the world in general has caused the curse, which causes us to have this problem. And it, God is not, he's not allowing it. You know what he's doing? He is restoring. He is, he is coming back to establish his kingdom and all of that is going to go away. He's pushed that back. He came and, and lived 
in this world, in this, in this cursed world, as a man, he didn't have to do that and showed through his ministry all the ways in which he was pushing back the curse and healing people, raising Lazarus from the dead, casting out evil ones, doing all these things that showed that he was in charge and he was going to rule and reign. And as part of the church, we're in that. We're in that eternal kingdom that God has that he's going to fully establish later. And so why does he allow it? Well, because at some level, we wanted it. You know, God said, do not eat of that tree or you will what? You'll yeah. surely die. <laughs> and, and, you know, Satan says to Eve, oh, you won't surely die. Right? Did, did God really say that? You're not going to die. You're going to be. And, and Eve knew the truth. God had told her the truth and decided to reject the truth and eat from the tree. And Adam did the same. And we've all been doing the same ever since. And we've essentially earned the wages of our sin which is that our bodies are going to die. Um, now, your spirit can be made alive in Christ. Those of you who are not in Christ, um, that's, you know, your spirit is not, is not alive in Christ either. Um, and so that's what, that's what Jesus offers. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't think it's possible to have, I'm not, I'm not aware of any way that it would have been possible for God to create people with a will and make sure that they're always chose to do the right thing. I don't think that that's a possible thing because then they don't really have a will. And so there's a lot of work on this. And if you want to want to hear more about what the, what this really is, is the problem of evil, um, then you, we have at least a couple of, of different messages I've done on that. If you go to seekingskeptics.com, S-E-E-K-I-N-G-S-K-E-P-T-I-C-S dot C-O-M, uh, you will find at least a couple of sermons on uh, on the issue of the problem of evil. I think one of them is called um, the problem of pain or the problem of bad. I think of the problem of bad. I think that's the most, recent, the most recent one. And then there was one from 2016, and I don't remember what it was called, but if you look at the on, on SeekingSkeptics.com, you'll find them, where I go into much, much more detail about the problem of evil and why evil and suffering exist in the world, uh, why, quote unquote, bad things happen to good people. Um, I think one of those premises um, about people being good is, is something that we need to think about. But um, go and check those out, and that's as far as I'm going to go on that one. Have we got anything left in the Orange Bowl? Oh, we got we're not even halfway through it. No. Oh, okay. Well, let's get uh, at least one more. All right. No. You didn't like that one? Well, it was just that certain ones of these are by one person, and certain ones of them are by one other person, and I've done the same person for the last like three. Oh, okay. So we're going to get the other person. Yes. And we won't say who it is. That's the only way I, that's the one thing I can tell about these is I can tell who they're written by mm. based on the color of the paper. All right. What is your favorite book of the Bible? Mm. This is a fun one. I'll let you go first on that. I'm glad we didn't end on that last one. I mean, it was good stuff, but it was also yeah. kind of a downer. Favorite book of the Bible. I like in our passage that we were um, in on Sunday. Um, I think I like parts of the Bible just because they don't sound like any other part of the Bible. Like they just don't sound bible to me. Like um, at the end of chapter 26 of Acts where it says, um, and I also just kind of found this funny, um, where it's, we have Agrippa and uh, Festus. Festus, right? Porcius Festus. Yes, they're talking to each other and uh, and they were saying, you know, he probably wouldn't have, to, we'd probably set him free except he asked to go to, uh, to, to appeal to Caesar. So we'll have to send him to Caesar. And I just like, 
it doesn't really sound like, at least it doesn't sound like any other part of the New Testament, just this kind of, it is this kind of, I could see it being like an old dra- drama, like they could have done this as a play. Mm-hmm. And it would be like that irony that you can see from the outside of, of Paul would have been set free, but he already asked to go to appeal to Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, things like that I, I find interesting. And so um, one of my favorite books of the Bible is because it's just so different. It's just such an interesting book to me is Philemon because it's, it's Paul writing to a slave owner because he's got this slave Onesimus with him mm-hmm. um, who's become a Christian who ran away. He ran away from the slave owner. So now Paul's like trying to work out this thing between this this um, runaway slave and the right. slave owner who are both now Christians. Right. Um, which, of course, you have to do a lot of wrestling with the idea of slavery and what it meant back then and how we see it now and all right. that. You know. So you just opened up a can of worms, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> I but. It's so interesting to me just to see um, just this kind of atypical um, book in the Bible. So I don't know if it's my favorite, but you know that's one of the ones that stands out to me just because it's so interesting. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, yeah, gosh, the favorite book of the Bible. I mean, it's like I don't. I've, like, I've, what's a book that you spent like just like two years just talking to people about yeah. and naming a church after? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like, like a the, book like that might be. I do like the Book favorite. of Acts, um, <laughs> and we've spent a lot of time in the Book of Acts. Uh, you know, the truth is, is that there are aspects of you know most of Paul's writings I connect with, uh, I connect to uh, well um, because of his style of thinking and the way that the Holy Spirit used Paul to to bring truth. Uh, I, I, I like most of that, but. Man, I, there's very. I mean, it'd be easier for me to be like, which ones don't I like, right. um, or which ones am I not as interested in? And you know, uh, all of the Old Testament history stuff is fascinating to me. Um, as is the New Testament history, as are the theological books of the New Testament, uh, as is Revelation, uh, which is incredibly uh, interesting and rich. Uh, Hebrews is phenomenal. Um, the depth that we get to and some of the teaching in Hebrews. And so, yeah, I mean, goodness, uh, Romans would stand out for me as a very important uh, yeah, book. Yeah, if I'd, if I'd have one book, it might be Romans. Just, it, it does a lot of summarizing. But, you know, First and Second Corinthians are, are phenomenal as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have, I mean, I wish I could be like, oh, my favorite book is Ruth. It's not. I, did, I, I like the book of really Ruth. Really cool. Um, I, like, I like a lot of the books of the Bible. Um, I would say I like all of them. Um, I, I prob- if I was like, okay, you can read today. One, it would depend on the day because, of course, the Gospels are incredible as well. I mean, it would depend on the day um, and what I happened to be feeling like the Lord was leading me to, to study. But if you're like, hey, just for fun, just I want you to pick the one that you want to read for fun the most. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, on on some days it would be Romans. On some days it would be John. Um, You know, it just depends on on the day and and how I'm I'm feeling led and what I'm feeling led to study. But there's really, to me, it's hard to do that because it's all one book and it's all connected. And there's no, you can't read any book of the Bible outside of the entire testimony of Scripture, which I think is amazing, especially when you think about the fact that the Holy Spirit was using all these different people over all of these years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to to bring this truth out and how things in Genesis connect with things in Revelation and and how things in Romans are connecting with, with the Old Testament. And, you know, I mean, if you look at the Gospels, the way that the Old Testament is used to show who Jesus was and who he was going to be in the prophecies. And I mean, it's all so fantastic that, yeah, I don't have a favorite, but I do, I do 
uh, have my personality and the way that God has made me it helps me to connect particularly with the writings of Paul. Yeah. I would say. Very much that um, argumentative. I don't mean argumentative. In like yeah, a, somewhat argumentative. Yeah, I think Paul's an arguer. I think that, yeah, but that not he like makes it. Not argument, not argument like quarreling. Yeah, Ar- yeah, argument yeah. like he, he, he's very, he's putting, he's laying out uh, the truth in a very systematic way. Right, right. And, and that's, for me, that's, that's the way that I think. And, and, and so it, I respond well to it. So right. what are we at? We can probably, let's do one more. One more? Try All not right. to pick something too sad. I know. I might, I might t- uh, toss one of these if they're not good. Just because right. we've got to end on a good note. Yeah, we this gotta, one's particularly small. No, we got a little happens. one. Let's see what it says. Oh, this is just, what's your favorite Bible story? Okay. Okay, that's different. That's that's different. different. Wow, favorite Bible story. Okay, so let's 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 make some parameters here. Let's take out everything from the life of Jesus because of course that probably should be your favorite story is the life of Jesus. Um, You know, the resurrection of Jesus should be our favorite story. So let's take that out. Let's let's do this. Let's say Old Testament. Only Old Testament. What is your favorite Old Testament story? Well, now. Oh, my favorite Old Testament story. Yes, your the, favorite Old Testament story. The Old Testament is a big book, man. Yeah, big, it is. A big group of books. It's a um, lot of stories. Favorite story, favorite story. I'll do mine first. Since yeah, you, you go first. So I, instead of picking a particular story, what, I'm gonna, what I think is one of my favorite parts about the Old Testament is a whole series of stories that, are, are connected are connected in this way the series of stories that are connected to the lineage of Christ so if you talk about you know uh, oh, Ruth you're, and Boaz you're and, cheating you know, yeah I'm cheating <laughs> you talk about Ruth and Boaz you, and you talk about um, you know you, like you go back to Jericho and don't forget that go back before that go back to um, Judah and and you know his, he has these sons and the first one dies and so the the his wife goes to the other brother and that brother is supposed to you know make an heir for him and doesn't and so then he says okay i'm going to take you know he has the wife he says i'm going to go back to your father's house and when my other son who's not old enough yet to marry you gets old enough then he'll be your husband and and he'll get you and and then he doesn't do that right and so then judah's walking on the street and she dresses up as a prostitute and uh and he and of course because judah apparently is a great guy uh ends up you know saying hey you're a prostitute let's you know, uh, I'd like to purchase, you know, uh, what you purchase from prostitutes. And so does that. And then, you know, she's basically tricked him. He gets her pregnant. And, and then this child, right. Isn't, is, this is, this is the child in the lineage of Christ, you know, and then you, and then you get to, uh, Rahab, the prostitute in, uh, in Jericho who ends up in the lineage of Christ. And then Ruth and Boaz, you know, you're going through, uh, you're going through and you're seeing all these things. And of course, David and Bathsheba, you know, he, David's David's committing adultery with this woman and and kills her husband and all this stuff, and and yet it's the child of that marriage that is Solomon, right? And so watching how all these broken people are in the lineage of the Messiah um, is an incredible like it's a it's not one story, it's a number of stories, but it but it is one story. It's a story of the lineage of Christ, and to see how many people are in that lineage that were broken, that were, you know, frankly, that were like me, 
that, that, that were uh, in the sense of being sinful, in the sense of uh, being rebellious against God, in the sense of doing things that we ought not to do, and yet seeing that that's all redeemed in the fact that they get to be in the lineage of the Son of God um, when Christ is, is, is born as a man. Um, well, he's born as a baby, but he's born as a human. Um, that's an amazing thing for me. So I'd say that's probably one of the, one of the coolest um, aspects of the Old Testament for me. Have you thought of yours yet? Yeah, I thought about a lot of stories and did not come with a, a solid answer um, because I was just thinking about what you were saying. Um, I would say maybe uh, the story of just classic David and Goliath. You know, that one's cool. Yeah, I thought about that too. Yeah, It's a great story. Because, you know, little little guy goes out there, throws some rocks at a guy. And, yeah, you know, it's a lot like, of action. I like throwing rocks. Yep, throwing like, rocks is fun. Throwing rocks is fun. We used to, I used to go to the beach with my buddy and there was just, you know, a beach where there's tons and tons of rocks and one of us would throw a rock out towards the ocean and the other one would throw a rock and try to hit it. You know, oh, I think yeah. maybe in the, who knows how many we threw, maybe we've hit the rock once or twice. Yeah, yeah. It's just really, That's really hard to do. But it is fun to throw rocks. It so. is. I haven't thrown them at people um, and I don't have a sling. But yeah, obviously seeing that David trusted God to that extent, where clearly in the world's wisdom, David had no chance against Goliath. Goliath thought it was laughable that they're sending this shepherd boy out. And yet, and yet through, through David, God um, conquers uh, Goliath and, and the Philistines in that battle. And so seeing that David, I mean, he's just a man after God's own heart, just loved the Lord, just trusted God. Like this guy can't, this, this nine foot tall giant, you know, with this huge, I mean, I just can't imagine how, I, I've met Shaquille O'Neal. And I can tell you, you that I have. I've met Shaquille O'Neal. And when wow. I did, the thing that was the most um, sobering was to recognize how big this guy was. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not a small person, right? I, you know, I'm six feet tall. I'm a decent sized guy. And I was like looking at his belly button. I mean, this guy was a giant. And now you're thinking of Goliath, a couple feet taller than that probably, right? Yeah. A giant, a true giant. And David, the shepherd boy, is going out there. And he's like, look... This guy cannot dog on God. This is the God of Israel. What, who do you think you are? And if nobody else is going to go do this, I'll go do it because it's not me. It's the strength of God. And so, yeah, an incredible story. It was a very powerful story and one that every believer should keep in mind when we face the difficulties that are in life, recognizing that we are the bride of Christ as his church. We are in his kingdom. And there's nothing that can't be done because it's not you that's doing it. It's God that's doing it. And so let, let's end on that very encouraging note that uh, God works powerfully through those who trust him. Right. And uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll, we'll end this one. Father, I just thank you for uh, these questions. And Lord, I thank you for uh, the shepherd boy that, that killed the giant, Lord, in your power and in your strength that you guided the rock because you are, you are the king. And David knew that. And he, and he understood who the real king was. And yes, he became a king of Israel, but there's only one king. Jesus, that's you. And all power and all dominion and all authority is under you, Lord, and you are in control of everything. And we thank you. And we ask that you would just be with us this week for those who are suffering, for those who are going through things, for those who are rejoicing, for the people who have recently graduated or who are graduating here this week uh, from school. Lord, we just thank you for our church. We thank you for uh, the sunshine. We thank you for uh, the, all that you've done in this world. And although it's broken, there's still so much beauty that you've allowed us to experience, Lord. And that's purely your grace because we don't deserve it. Uh, we thank you, God, for all that you are, all that you've done. 
uh, go with us, uh, be with each person who's listening to this podcast, and and just I pray you'd be present uh, and and be with them this week. In your name, Amen. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can check us out at axcamas.org. That's A-C-T-S-C-A-M-A-S dot O-R-G um, to see uh, more sermons, more podcasts, uh, more about the ministry that we're doing here in Camas, Washington. We'd love it if you check us out on a Sunday morning. We meet at Shahala Middle School currently. Um, if you're listening to this down the road, we might be somewhere else. But um, for now, we are in Shahala Middle School in Camas, Washington. Um, come say hi. We'd love to get to know you. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next time.